This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is March 25th, 2021. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. My name is Jeff Raspi, and I was there the fall of 84 to the spring of 88. And what titles did you hold at the radio station? What kind of positions were you uh, holding at the station? Uh, let's see. The first one was probably, um, I forgot what we called it at the time. I always want to say chief engineer, but that was, I was not the chief engineer. That would have been Frank Grunstein. Hmm. Um, I, the equivalent of chief announcer, but on the, <laughs> on the engineering side. Right. Uh, I, it might, might've been executive engineer. Oh yeah. That's, that's definitely much more logical. Yes. Um, so executive engineer, um, my sophomore year, maybe I think it was, Mm -hmm. uh, then after that junior and senior year, I was producer of airwave and music director. Um, myself and Tim McDonald shared one of those titles we either both produced airwave or we were both music i think we were both music directors for uh uh, i guess would have been 87 and 88 okay so you were producer of airwave and then probably co-music director for your senior year right uh i believe i was co-music director for both junior and senior year oh and simultaneously producing airwave junior and senior year I believe I did an airwave show sophomore, junior, and senior. So that was my next question. What shows did you uh, host? Uh, Did you produce any shows? Did you do public affairs shows? What else did you work on? Uh, Yeah. Well, I mean, I did the shows everybody had to do. You know, the the old show up at 8 a.m. and handle uh, classics from Hofstra. and there, there was, there was one morning when, uh, and the, I don't know why I like telling this story. It makes me look bad. Uh, there, there was one morning where I was also a member of Hofstra concerts, so I worked crew for uh, all the concerts at Hofstra while I was there, and there was one. Uh, one year we did a Jimmy Cliff show, and it, that was actually at the Calderon in Hempstead. But the morning after, I had to uh, sign on the stage. It was before we were doing, or before they were doing, a um, a morning news magazine program. Right. So it's the the, the day started. I want to say at six a.m. with um, classical music, classics from Hofstra. So the morning after this Jimmy Cliff show, I was, for some reason, the first person on. So I got there. I did get there in time. I I had all the classical records ready to play. At some point, I put my head down and basically fell asleep because uh, God knows when I when I actually went to bed after a Jimmy Cliff show. Um, I did wake up in time to hear the needle in the end groove going 
and then was totally lost and back sold the piece I was about to play, front sold the piece I had just played, realized I mixed them up, tried to correct it, and somehow started the next piece. And within five seconds, the phone in the studio rang and it was Jeff Krause. And literally all he said when I picked up the phone, he goes, late night. <laughs> um, I Did I ever host the jazz show? I'm going to say I might not have ever hosted the jazz show, which in my time was in the uh, late afternoon. Right. Um, I did do Airwave the three years, sophomore, junior, senior year. Um, we start while I was there. We started a metal show. I think I filled in for that one week. Um, the poor the the guy who hosted it regularly was this guy William Stockdale, who for some reason the first week decided that he would do the show in a fake voice, and he did a voice like that. And he eventually realized that was a bad idea because you had to do that for the whole show every week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did my senior year as well. uh, Start a, what the hell did I call it? I started a a pre-recorded, pre-produced folk music show. Um, where within one 60 minute show, I would, I think I would spotlight a classic folk artist or record, a current folk artist or record, or no, maybe it was just two. I think I, yeah, maybe I did, um, like half a show with a classic folk artist and and half a show with, uh, a quote unquote newer acoustic or folk artist. And I, again, I remember going to, to Jeff Krause asking the, the approval to do the show. And he just kind of, again, he just kind of looked at me and went, all this time you've been a closet folky? Because unbeknownst to me, Jeff actually used to run uh, a coffee house, like a folk music coffee house in Greenwich Village in the 60s. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. So, so I'm approved for this. Okay, good. I finally found something you like. <laughs> that's 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 classic Jeff Krause there. That yeah. is, yeah. For those who don't know, that's that's classic <laughs> Jeff. Um, my did, roommate, I I I don't think I ever did this show either. My roommate was the one who started New Age Images, um, which for that that blink of an eye in the late eighties into the mid nineties, when new age music was a thing, um, he chose to do a show, you know, with a lot of, you know, George Winston and Andreas Volenbiter and mm-hmm. stuff like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually, I don't think I did a lot of the other shows because like I said, I ended up producing airwave, for two of my four years. So I think I was definitely more concentrating on, on, you know, everything airwave needed. Hmm. So when you first came down to the station, what, what was your, 
what first brought you to the station? What was your idea when you, and where was it? Like, can you describe, uh, you know, what you saw when you first walked into the building for those of us who weren't there when you were, what was it like? Maybe anybody that you met, uh, what was going on when you first walked in and what brought you there? Well, honestly, my thinking at the time, my first semester, I was an undecided business major. And my thinking was, I love music. I like turning people on to music. Um, like for, in high school, I was the guy who, if you had, if you had just innocently asked me a question about REM, two days later, I would have a 90 minute mixtape of REM and REM adjacent artists um, for you. Because uh, I would have already had those records. Um, so as an undecided business major, I went to, I don't remember how I figured out where the station's office was, but it was downstairs in Memorial Hall under bits and bites. Mm -hmm. Um, I, we, were we the only entity down there? We might've been the only entity down there. Um, and I, I walked in. And well, wait a minute. I can sort of remember being upstairs somewhere. Hmm. That doesn't make any sense though. Um, because I don't think we were ever upstairs of anywhere. <laughs> that that sounds right. Yeah. There's well, I was there a little bit after you, so the the, the office was at one end of Memorial Hall in the basement and, and the, the studios, studios were down the other. Yeah. And there was yeah, bits that's... and bytes, and then the uh, the registrar was up on the second floor, I think. Okay, okay, yeah. So it was definitely downstairs in the memorial, uh, as you said, offices literally at one end, studios at the other end. So whenever there was dead air, we all got really good at that two hundred yard sprint. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> um, but I I walked in thinking because I'm such a music fan and I like turning people onto music that if I got an array, I mean, at, at this time, I didn't even know how the station worked. Like I didn't know if you just showed up, would you get a show? Did you have to follow rules? You know, any of that stuff. Um, and so I, I walked in and I'm going to say the first people I ran into were Walter Ennis Barbara Lyons, um, possibly Paul Cahill, um, and I don't know who else would have been in the office at that moment, but they were immediately welcoming and friendly and sat me down and told me the process of, you know, you kind of have to audition for, for an on-air spot you know, just depending on, you know, how thick your accent was, depending on where you were from or, you know, could you read <laughs> you know, stuff like that? Um, but they were immediately uh, very welcoming. And so at some point in that first semester, you know, fall of 84, I started going down, hanging out. Um Again, I, I, I don't actually remember what the first thing I did on the air was, um, but I'm, I'm sure it was probably within 
a month of walking in that they let me go on the air and do something. I, actually, I'm, I was probably given like AP news to read or something like during the jazz show, something mm. like that. Um, and then at some point early in my second semester, I realized I am spending a lot of time here. I should probably start getting credit for this. Um, simultaneously thinking, holy crap, there's no way I am going to live the next however many years I live, you know, being an accountant or in marketing or, you know, what, whatever business track I would have under uh, changed from undecided to decided. <laughs> so as, as I've said for 30 something years, probably not the wisest decision I ever made as far as life goes. Um, but I have been able to spend 30 something years on the radio in the music business. Um, and I must admit, I probably had a lot more fun than people who got a quote unquote real job. Um, but they probably have more money than I do. So, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, it's a, the, you know, the yin and yang of, did you go to work every day and have fun? Okay. Yeah. Did you go to work every day and make any money? Eh, not so much. So in those first days, when you walked down there and figured out, okay, this is something I want to try out. Do you remember taking an engineering class? Do you remember taking an announcing class? You mentioned yeah. something about accents. I don't know if you came in with an accent or not. Well, no, uh, I, I think I actually surprised a number of folks because they knew I was from Jersey, but I didn't have a New Jersey accent. Um, and that was, you know, not by any sort of intentional you know, kill it kind of thing. I just did. I, I mean, I, I grew up in North Jersey, so, you know, it's, it's almost as likely that I would have had a New York accent. Um, mm -hmm. but I didn't, I didn't have either. I mean, I kind of had sort of, I mean, the way I'm talking now, you know, kind of a, uh, a nondescript, uh, accent. I, I will, you know, throw out some Jerseyisms every now and then, but, um, yeah, I definitely took, Announcing class was probably with Paul Cahill because I believe when I got there he was chief announcer, um, and Walter, coincidentally, probably the first person I walked into, um, he was the executive engineer at the time, or it might have been him and uh, maybe Matt Swayhoover. I think they may have been co-executive engineers at the time. But yeah, we you know you had to take classes and you know, for both. Um, you didn't have to be a radio major to be at the radio station. Um, I, like I said, not the wisest change of major <laughs> ever, but uh, I decided, no, I'm going to major in radio. Um, and it was before there was a school of communications too. So we technically in my day, it was um, a degree in liberal arts slash communications slash radio. Um, and then, uh, what the hell happened after those? Yeah, yeah, I guess you, you, you know, you took a class or two of, you know, how to speak clearly for the radio, and you know, the engineering part was, uh, 
you know, don't touch this kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> never push that button. Um, and then just some of the, the logistics of it, like, you know, depending on when you were on, you had to go out and check the, the AP wire cause you had to do news at the top of every hour, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, playing promos at, for other shows at intervals during whatever show you were doing. Um, I will say that, and if I remember correctly, it was Paul Cahill who did give me this piece of advice. When you go on the air, especially for the first time, don't imagine that there are hundreds or, or thousands of people listening. Imagine that you are talking to a friend of yours. And that one sentence has stayed with me all these years and I pass it on now as well. I I'll tell people, you know, when, when new radio students come in and they, you know, they're looking for help doing a project or something like that. And they all, you know, you when you, when you can hear the nervousness in somebody, you're just like, you're just, no, just imagine you're talking to your best friend kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that, that, yeah, thank you, Paul Cahill. That was probably, uh, the most helpful piece of advice professionally I've ever gotten. <laughs> that that is great advice. And and you said that was you got that before your first time on the air, or you figure before. You... I, yeah, I believe that was probably in in his little. Uh, you know, this is this is how you read news kind of meeting. Because um, I do remember there was probably six, seven, ten of us sitting there with them. Um, you know, that all, all kind of came in at the same time sort of thing. Um, so it was, it was definitely in one of his, I mean, class is actually probably the wrong word. It was just kind of a, an, an orientation kind of thing. Okay. Uh, I mean, not at college orientation, but it was like an orientation of, okay, this is how this part of the radio station works kind of meeting. Um, yeah, we called them announcing and engineering classes, but they weren't for credit. But you'd I, meet yeah. uh, once a week for a couple of weeks and get the training, and you'd have to go in and track on the actually, board. Yeah. Tra- training is actually the word I was looking for, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you've mentioned a number of people who gave you good advice were there other people who you know as you spent more and more time there in the office or in the studio were there other people who were welcoming or gave you good mm-hmm. advice or that you listened to and went oh that's cool i want to do that yeah oh yeah there were i mean even <laughs> even as standoffish as he seemed um jeff kraus was infinite infinitely helpful to all of us I mean, I, that was, that was, I mean, yeah, it was his job description. He was, he was our, you know, faculty advisor or, or whatever the title actually was. Um, but he was, and he just, so, I mean, he was there when you were there, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, when I became okay. program oh, director so, was, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the aura. Oh, sure. <laughs> but, but tell had. the people who don't know him. That's part of what this project is for. What if he, if you didn't know him, if you can pick out a piece, you already gave us a little bit, but if you could give us something that uh, demonstrates how he was helpful in, in shaping your career there. 
Um, well, I mean, he was, it's funny. I bet a lot of people are going to say, well, if you sat down with some Chivas Regal with him, he'd, he'd, he'd open up a lot, but, um, you know, it was just, you know, just even, you know, even my most infamous moment. And, uh, (laughs) and again, uh, I I should probably change the names to protect the guilty, but screw it. (laughs) Um, When my co-producer and co-music director buddy, Tim McDonald and I realized uh, what Friday was going to be our last day on the air, last night on the air for airwave. We decided, don't know why we decided this, but we decided Theoretically, with the help of the sports guys, because they would be able to figure out how to do it because they do games on location all the time. Uh, We were going to do the final airwave show for our time from my room during a party live. (laughs) Mm hmm. And we did, actually. And and to our credit, we we actually you know played an idea at the top of every hour. We actually did news at the top of every hour. I think we did sports at the bottom of every hour. Uh, <laughs> and we stayed in format. Like even when we got to the end of the amount of music that we had planned on playing, we at two a.m. when we were supposed to sign off, it was like, should we keep going? Who's going to stop us? Should we go? So we kept going and we stayed in format and continued to do news, continued to do sports. Um, we had, <laughs> we had convinced two freshmen to man the studio in Memorial hall while myself, Tim, my roommate, Charlie, who was the uh, new age images producer, Charlie Tanner, uh, Mark Ernay, who was the sports director, uh, was there doing sports updates. Um, random people, because it was a party in Colonial Square with the door wide open. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see, our classmate Lori Gale, who even at that time was already working at uh, DRE. And when she walked in and we were like, oh, Lori Gale's here. She just looked at us like with a death stare. And she's like, no, no, I'm not. I'm not here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, so, yeah, so we ended up instead of shutting the station off at 2 a.m., we stayed on till 6 a.m. when Jason Levy and the morning news magazine program showed up and they were surprised by the two freshmen sitting in the on-air studio at 6 a.m. or 5.30 a.m. or 5 a.m., whenever the hell they arrived. Um, uh, and uh, they were not particularly happy that we had stayed on the air all night. Mm-hmm. Um, we woke up the next day to a memo, which I still have, calling out five five of us, I think, to a 
meeting, quote unquote, with Jeffrey. And we all, I mean, I think before my meeting, I was actually taking a nap in the four track studio. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, I, we all did go to this meeting with Jeff and <laughs> he, he did suspend all of us for, I believe I'd have to find the memo. I believe it was for three months which for the two freshmen that we had coerced into being in the on-air studio, uh, it was the three months of summer and they weren't going to be there anyway. And for the other three of us, we were graduating. So, you know, it was, it was a punishment, but had no, but had no teeth kind of thing, which I am sure was intentional on his part. Yeah. (laughs) And when he called me in, I I do remember him looking at me again and just sort of deadpanning. Why didn't you ask? And of course the answer that we all probably gave was, why would you have said yes? (laughs) (laughs) So, and we, and we hadn't, we had planned on stopping at 2 AM when the show was supposed to end and we were supposed to turn off the station, but four hours into a live remote party, it seemed to make sense to keep going. Um, and in, in retrospect, I understand why he was upset. Um, because any, and he had mentioned this to me, I think that we, like we knew that at the time it was president Stewart. We knew he listened in the mornings. Hmm. So he was worried that if President Stewart had, for whatever reason, gotten up and turned the radio on some minutes before 6 a.m., that he would have heard us, you know, being, you know, sleep deprived, punch drunk mm-hmm. <laughs> um, idiots on the air and then called Jeff and said, what the hell is going on? And Jeff would have had no answer. Like he would have been put on a spot of like, what the hell are you talking about? And then he'd turn the radio on and hear us being idiots at, you know, five 30 in the morning. Hmm. Uh, so, so in retrospect, I do understand why he was, he was upset. But the funny thing is the way he said, why didn't you ask leads me to believe that because he knew it was the final show for two of us, he would have let us. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, and the and on top of it all, we did figure out how to, because like I said, the idea was that we were going to do it similarly to one of the the sporting events, you know, the the football right. or basketball games, uh, which is one reason we got the sports guys involved, because they theoretically had the equipment to do that, that we would be able to have microphones in my room and actually sound halfway decent, you know, that kind of thing. Turns out the phones on campus in in dorm rooms were incompatible yeah. with mm-hmm. <laughs> the equipment <laughs> that the sports guys used for games. So we had to quickly think on our feet, and we ended up uh, literally using one of the phones in my room as the microphone. 
and wow. we we just had like it, basically it was on the whole time but we told the 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 two freshmen in the in the on air studio who were uh Andrew Schmertz and Eric Plout I believe were the ones there and we told them when the break is done kill our channel because we can't turn off this microphone because it's a phone <laughs> right right um, otherwise we're going to be calling you 400 times tonight so that was the only thing that we were a little bit afraid of is that if they didn't remember to to either turn down the pot or kill kill the channel that while music was playing you would hear a whole bunch of people yelling and screaming and and probably saying things that shouldn't be said on the radio right uh, <laughs> and that kind of stuff um but uh yeah I, where the hell were we going with that well well i was gonna say that, that that is an epic story and i do believe during my time there there were whispers of of such an event <laughs> and and what could happen if if we tried to pull something like that off um but also it's an example of jeff being uh, a leader and a mentor and someone who is yeah. very intimidating uh at first but also someone you could talk to and yeah. and and, 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 oh. and you know he probably even though he realized he had to punish us somehow I think deep down he liked the fact that we did something outside the box. We did something creative. We did something unexpected. Um, I think he was more upset about the fact that he didn't know and he could have yeah. been put on the spot by the president of the college, you know, basically everyone's boss. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that was, that was, you know, and in the end we all, sort of you know chuckled about it um but yeah so it was uh, myself tim mcdonald charlie tanner because it was his room too uh mark renee andrew schmertz eric plout hmm. <laughs> that's right i'm throwing us all under the bus uh so so now you've you've had a career in radio for a long time you've had these epic stories you've had these adventures if you can, I, I try to wrap up this this part this way. If you can, put yourself back in the mindset of of being whatever eighteen years old when you first walked down to the station, and and you you sort of alluded to this before, but mm -hmm. like, can you put yourself in your shoes at eighteen or or whatever age and say, this is what I thought Hofstra Radio would be to me? Um, I don't know. I don't know that I thought anything other than uh, I live and breathe music. I realize I'm an undecided business major, but if I go to the radio, if I can find the radio station and like what they do and how they do it and they like me, it'll be fun. It'll be a fun extracurricular thing. Hmm. Um. I, at the beginning, at the very beginning, no way did I think I would change my major to radio, graduate with a radio degree, get a job the fall after graduation, and basically work continuously 
for what is it now? 32, 33 years. Um, again, coincidentally at two radio stations in one market, which I may be the only person in radio who can say they've worked over 30 years at only two stations and in only one market (laughs) because I've, I've never left the Jersey shore. That, that is, that is unusual. And that is, that's, that's quite an epic journey. Um, Jeff, and I'm also probably the only one in radio who's never smoked or survived on coffee. <laughs> well, I, I, I can, I can attest, uh, I, my, my time in radio, I never did either. Uh, so, so there's a few of us, I guess, but, yeah. uh, and th- I mean, and there were like, um, this guy, Joe Barone and Jim Vazios, they were amazing at production and, we, we, you know, I, I was certainly not in their league as far as, in fact, I think Joe actually create, you know, when he graduated, you know, his real job was, was a production house hmm. um, that he started, I think. Um, but they, so, I mean, but, but production was fun. Like I probably had more fun in the four track class than any other class I had hmm. and coming up with that. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it was the same when you were there or if, if it's still the same. Um, now this, this isn't a day when you had to use, you know, we called it four track class cause that was what the, the tape machine was. It was a four track tape machine. Now it's all on a computer and you can do 4,000 tracks if you want. Right. Um, but the four track class was, was a production class. It, was, it taught you, how to how to you know mix four tracks or you technically you could mix many more than four because you could bounce it down to one and you know all that kind of stuff um but the i think the final project was to find some sort of radio play or actual play and produce it Hmm. um so you had to find actors, you had to find sound effects, you had to find music, you had to find, um, you know, perhaps even do, I think we, I think in my project, we actually did do a couple of sound effects, like for real, like Foley effects, um, which kind of played into, and I know RHU still has uh, quite a reputation for doing radio drama. Yes. Um, which I find absolutely amazing and incredibly, um, you know, I mean, I, truth be told, I probably didn't participate in many of the live radio dramas that we did while I was there, but I am extraordinarily proud of the ones we did do, the fact that it's still going on and the awards that some of that wins. Um, I mean, that's just, yeah, <laughs> you know, having, having had my limited experience in doing it, um, especially the way the studios were downstairs in Memorial Hall. Um, I presume Frank intentionally designed it so that from any one studio, you could see the others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, even that was kind of amazing. 
you know, so you could you could do a live radio drama and have people in the two track studio, the on air studio, the announcing booth, the four track studio, <laughs> and you could all see each other. You know, you could all see yourself. You know, the others making you know visual cues and whatnot. Um, you know, that's <laughs> that's pretty impressive, uh, especially for the eighties. Um, Jeff, this has been uh, a tremendous amount of fun and I, I can tell you've got a lot more stories that you're probably <laughs> itching to tell. So, so let's do this again some other time and, if, uh, if and thank you for sharing your memories. If I can remember them. <laughs>